So here we go, you guys. Romans 6. If I had one book of the Bible to teach from for the rest of my life, that's not fair. I wouldn't do it. I would ask for more. Um, I love Romans. And I love especially Romans 5-8. through And smack dab in the middle of Romans 5-8 through is this verse, Romans 6-14. It says... Sin will not be master over you. Because you're no longer under law. You're no longer under buck-upism. You're no longer under striving. You're no longer under performing. You're no longer under moralism or trying so hard to prove to anyone else. Sin will not be master over you because you're no longer under law. You're under grace. Grace. And the converse is true. I hate what I'm about to say, but the opposite, the flip side's true. If you do not trust grace, sin will be master over you. So tonight we're going to take a look at um, this sacred truth that God uses you to protect me, that I need you, that God does this supernatural, miraculous beauty to protect me by you. Oh gosh, I have, I have the coolest, most beautiful wife that I know of. I know there are supermodels and I know they're supposed to really excite me, but my bride still excites me. She is so fun. She is the funniest person in the room. She is the funnest person in the room. She makes it delightful to be married. We love road trips. We love to play together. She is the one that our family is built around. She is the one who runs our world. We are a matriarchal home. Get used to it. (laughs) But Stacy... Um, and she will say when she's provoked, oh, can she be mean? Oh my gosh, she can hurt me. I'm just a simple good man. I don't want to hurt anyone. I, and, and, and really, you would, if you saw in our home... Our issues are usually, this is her, this is me. Am I lying? No, I'm a merciful man. I I mean no problems. (sighs) Anyway, this is some years ago now. It's still hard to tell. Uh, One night she hurt me really badly. I'm sure I hurt her. I'm sure I powered up. I'm sure I got loud. I'm sure I used my language. I'm sure I used... Um, whatever I do, but she hurt me. And that night, instead of hurting her back and instead of powering up and doing that thing that I can do, I got on my bicycle and I rode. Um, I, I, I got to about uh, Kaler and 12th Avenue. You know where I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had this thought. We had just had, uh, my class had just had their reunion. And so all of us 
um, all of us knew each other's address. All of us in the graduating 1971 class from Washington High School, we all knew uh, where we lived. And I had this thought, because I dated the homecoming queen when I was in high school. And I, and I thought, um, I'll bet you she wouldn't hurt me like Stacy hurt me tonight. And the ball starts rolling, and John Lynch thinks, I know where she lives. I don't want to do anything. I just, I'm, just gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go over and um, well, I'll sit out front across the street, and, and maybe she'll be washing dishes or something. I don't, I don't even care about her, but the thought of someone who wouldn't hurt me now, who would love me and know me and understand me and not hurt me, and I got on my bike and I started riding towards her house. So, um, so what do you do? Uh, how do you get permission to influence and protect and love and guide someone like me? Uh, John thirteen thirty four says, you know, I'm going to give you one thing to do. One thing, it's, I'm going to give you a command. It's, it's not the 11th commandment, you know that. It's a whole new order of command. For the first time since Acts 2, a human being can actually um, have a command not cause them to rebel. All the commandments caused men to rebel, Romans 5, 20, 22. And for the first time, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a command and it won't cause you to rebel. In fact, it's not even really a commandment, really, because it's the thing you most want to do. Christ in you, this new person, the thing you want most to do at your core is to love well. That's who you are. And so um, it's not a commandment, really. It's, it's like someone saying to you, eat more chocolate. All right, if it'll help the team, yeah. <laughs> and so this beautiful verse says, you guys, this is it. This is the gig. The goal of our instruction is love. This is a hard thing to wrap your heart around. We were created by God with limitation. Elsewise, you can't get loved. Love is the process of meeting needs, period. Anything else is just hallmark sentimentality. You, you, you won't see Scripture, uh, you won't ever hear God talk about love without Him meeting a need. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Love is the process of me looking at you and saying, ah, I'm drawn to to meet a need, what can I do? How can I earn your trust so I can meet a need in your life? So we, we were actually created with limitations. I've got my unique skill set of limitations. And when I bluff like I don't have needs, I don't get loved. When I, when I put on a mask, 
only my mask gets loved. Ah, but this beautiful, beautiful reality. Galatians 6.2 says it. Paul picks up from what Jesus said. I'm going to give you one commandment that you would love each other, just like I've loved you, that everybody would know that you're my disciples. And then Paul picks it up and says, now listen to me. Bear one another's burdens. And when you find yourself doing that, you'll fulfill that one thing that he asked you to do. You'll fulfill that one command. Bear one another's burdens. That's it. Draw close to each other when when they fail. Literally, get underneath and lift. Stand with, bear, love. But I realize that you're afraid to let me love you. So I have to earn your trust. Wait, 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 I'm I'm the mature one. Why do I have to earn anything? Just trust me. No, see, that's the problem. So you're going to have to earn my trust. Okay. Because inside of me, inside of John Lynch, I carry these lies. These, uh, they, they, they are self-entitlement permissions. Lies that never get talked about. That unless somebody has permission to get behind and talk about them with me. I, I, here's mine. Um, God, I think this sin issue is too strong for you. It is always one I don't think you, even you can handle it. Anybody else, anybody else know anybody who has that as one? Yeah. Uh, here's another one. God, if I'm honest, I think this sin satisfies me more than you do. Ow. Again, I just got these out of a book. These are not from me, actually. Uh, 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 a third one of mine. God, I don't think you've taken care of me the way you have taken care of others. And they all give me permission to violate myself, to do wrong, to get on a bicycle at Kaler and 12th and drive up to where I never dreamed that I would drive to. So I want to earn your trust so that when things go hidden, you're going to call me. I'm so sick of accountability. I'm so sick of it. Accountability is a principle of law. It makes, it makes me hide and resent those I love the most. What I need is protection. I need someone that I trust so much that I'll call myself out. Um, James, James 1.13 says, uh, Let no one say, here's this deal of the flesh, this thing that happens, the real me does not want this at all, but something in me, something that is tied to my very being. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God can't be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when sin has, uh, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So there's, there's something. The flesh is constantly trolling 
Come on, come on, come on, take it. Take, take the big, got it, got it, God so got you. And if I could take that verse and extrapolate it out with several other verses, I might be able to put together what I would call a control cycle or a sin cycle. The permission that I give myself to fail. So, so if, I, if I imagined a giant, whoa. <laughs> a much tanner John. Oh, I like him. Oh, well, whoa. whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got a little carried away with myself. I'm drawn to that man. Um, if I could see, let's take it down. Uh, thanks. If I could see this on the, on the, in front of me, I would see maybe at the top this uh, piece that would say um, the gap. And that would be a time where, where sin's not presenting itself. And I'm, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I feel like, gosh, I've got this thing, whatever that uh, particular familiar deal for me, uh, I'd say, yeah, yeah, I think I got this thing. And then um, something happens. Maybe you see a billboard or you uh, see something just innocently wandering around on uh, the internet or a commercial or whatever it is. But uh, that dark foreboding feeling uh, washes over you that says, I know what this is. This is the start of a process that I will eventually fail at. I will fight it. I will do everything, but I'm going to lose. And that's the last conscious thought you may have of that. And if you call somebody and say, I'm struggling right now. I just wanted to tell you that this, this just happened. I just saw this thing. It's done. But if you don't, soon your shame gets coupled with that dark sense. You know what shame is? Guilt says you've done something wrong. Shame says there's something uniquely and particularly wrong with you. And now shame starts to add a story. It's got a story and it starts to say, see this, this I know it's going to happen next. This always happens to you. You, you fail. That's what you do. You, always, you have always failed. You always will fail. You're a loser. That's what you... People may see you a certain way, but I know who you are. And that shame story is like rocket fuel for the rest of that cycle. And then eventually, James 1.13 through 15, eventually temptation comes. And at first, um, it, it's, it may be tacit, it may be quiet, it may not even be spoken consciously to yourself, but eventually a time and a place is offered. Maybe it's just a glance across the room. Maybe it's an event that's going to happen three or four months from now. But something is offered for you to do. Temptation. And somewhere in there, given enough time and given enough of that shame stealth story, I will give myself permission to do it. Now here's where it gets bizarre. The next place, if I went gap and then building and then, a, then shame self story, then I would go down to uh, temptation. And the next thing that comes is resistance. Here we are. This is where we think the game is won or lost. My willpower, my ability to fight this thing. I will fight this thing and I will win. 
And well, I'm not going to do it again. Here's the crazy part. You're trying to resist the very sin you've already given yourself permission to do. (laughs) How nuts is that? And not only that, the more you resist, the more the anticipated pleasure builds. Is that that horrible what I just said? There is nothing weaker against sin than your sin-managing religious attempt at resistance. Isn't that crazy? Most of the books deal with the place of acting out. We haven't even got there yet. Isn't that crazy? All this is taking place to give myself permission to act out. And the key all along, listen to what God does through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what God gives you. The key all along to break this cycle and stop it in its tracks is for me to tell someone the sin that I'm intending to commit. Gone. Stopped. Stopped in its tracks. All I have to have is someone through Christ that I trust enough with me that I'm willing to destroy this artifice in the sky and tell on myself. So that night, I'm I'm riding my bike over to that house whose address I know of that homecoming queen that I'm going to go wash, wash dishes as I sit across the street. And I get about halfway there, and I stop my bike, and I say, No! No! No, you, you love Jesus. You love your wife. You love your children. You don't want to violate them. You don't want to violate your ministry. This is, this is stupid. This is not who you are. Stop it! And I did. I... I turned my bike around and I started for home. And then I stopped it again. And I said, no, see, that's not going to work. Because I, you know what? I'm good for tonight. But what about when she hurts me again? And the second or third time? What about then? And my willpower is not as strong as it is tonight. So that night, for the first time, I did what we write about, and, and I had never tried. <laughs> oh, you're saying, oh, who are you, mister? You've got to actually live out the stuff you write? Oh. Um. <laughs> and I stopped my bike, and I pulled out my phone, and I called my best friend, Rennie Thompson, worship leader at our church at the time. Uh, he since has Pick's disease and dementia, but he's my hero. And I called him up. It's so hard to do this, by the way. May I mention? Uh, hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> what are you doing, Tiger? Just, yeah, well, you know, just kind of you know, making it rounded where, where we're taking it and stuff. That's right. <laughs> no, no, no. Just wanted to check in on you. How you, how you kids, you know, where it's going. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. 
All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. L- listen. Um, no, Randy. Um, I'm. Uh, do you remember the girl I told you about, the homecoming queen? Um, so I was just. I just was riding over to her house on my bicycle. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not doing it. I'm not there now, and I'm not going there now. Um, but I needed to tell you, and I feel stupid, but I know you love me so much that you will not throw me under the bus and that you'll be there tomorrow and you will love me just as much, if not more, for the telling of this. And so there you go. And he said, John, John, I'll be right over. I'll be right over. And I said, "Um, you don't have to. The cycle just got broken. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving my family so much that I could trust you. Thank you for protecting my life so that I would not violate my future. I love you so much, Randy. I'll see you later. And so... um, for all these years, I've had to live this way. I'm a mess. I, I, I'm capable of everything except stealing rap music. <laughs> That's a commitment I make from me to you. I, I, will not, I will not do that. I will not. Do you guys understand what I just said? That, that not about the rap music. Uh, <laughs> there is power in God giving me someone that I can trust so much that I could tell the worst of me. What if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known that I would discover that I would be loved more, not less, in the telling of it? And so the cycle gets broken whenever that happens. Now, it, it, it's, it, it's going to ramp up again. It does what it does. It's never going to give up on... The flesh will never give up on trying to destroy me. But God will use that same means. So, what if we courageously, this is a relational theology of grace. What if we relationally be, began to nurture relationships and communities of grace where godliness is not based on appearances of how many wrong things you do not do, where we applaud exposure and don't reject those who are failing but draw closer to them, where the environment is safe enough for me to try out my faith instead of bluffing it, where the goal is not that anything gets fixed, but that nothing ever has to be hidden. Oh, you guys, the beauty of your kids, if they knew that there was a different consequence for them telling on themselves instead of being caught. Ah, it's grace. Sin will not be master over you because you're no longer under law, you're under grace. Where we put our effort into learning how to love rather than attempting to manage our sin. 
Well, I am an answer to such a question. For I have this old dog. I have learned acceptance and submission and humility and trust. And I have learned heartfelt obedience over compliance. I am able to work harder in grace than by any other motivation. I've worked through horribly hard stuff without having to run. I've learned to trust the power of this new life in me. I'm no longer hidden. I don't have to wear a mask. And I still will for a few minutes. As soon as I showed up here, I had a mask on. Hey, 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 Tiger. Somebody said to me in the bathroom, gosh, I get to wash my hands next to my hero. And I said, well, let's see how we feel about this after my message. Uh, I'm able to offer freedom for others to not hide. I'm able to help free others to Jesus. And I'm no longer trying to impress you with the appearance of godliness. I'm too old. So what if I was real? What if I let myself be known, not just transparent appearing with no intention of letting anyone help, but really known? Well, see, no, see, come on, because I remember old girlfriends and they went away. But what if God says, um, John, I already know. And I know everything. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm crazy about you. I can't love you any more than I do and I will never love you less. I'll be your safety net and your exposure. Wow. Okay, so what if you really knew about me? Hopefully some of this list is fun. Some of it is hard. So what if I first told you that I really didn't relate to or enjoy most of the Christian music that was available the first 15 years of my faith? Oh, it was horrible. It was like, all sounded like skating music, didn't it? It was like synthesizer music. It was just hor- here, here was a Here was one of the hits of worship back in the day when I first came to Christ. I've got oil in my Ford. Keep me trucking for the Lord. I've got oil in my Ford. Amen. Hallelujah. People left the faith. They left Jesus Christ because of that song. And what if you knew that I really do like the music of Tom Waits and Bruce Coburn and Todd Snyder and Jesus Culture and the Gloaming and Justin Vernon and the Waylon Jennies. If Stacy dies, I go on tour following them. <laughs> Ellie Holcomb and Stephanie Gretzinger and Jason Isabel and the Head and the Heart and John Hyatt and Bob Dylan. Bob freaking Dylan. <laughs> And Alice Paul and Keb Moe and a Cajun band. They've got to be in their 90s by now called Little Feet. I love them. But if you knew that, what if you knew, Stacy says, do you have to share this one? What if you knew that, I get, that I'd rather visit the hand lotion boutiques with my wife than Home Depot with the guys? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> What if you knew on the husband and wife temperament grids, I always end up on the wife's side? (laughs) That one I'm not kidding about. Okay. (laughs) And what if you knew that I am fragile and I'm not strong? I am gifted in mercy, not ruling. And what if you knew that I, I don't pray as much 
or the way that you might think I should? What if you knew that sometimes I'm faithless and I have incredible fear? What if you knew that Stacy has told me that I can make her feel stupid or not enough, Mr. Grace Guy? What if you knew that at parties in the community that I help start, I can feel alone and want to hide in the bathroom? What if you knew that even several months ago, I felt ashamed for my childlike behavior in front of my fellow elders? Uh, What if you knew that I still have this stupid neuropathy and there's days when I just say, Jesus, please, 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 today, I don't care. I don't care about anything else. I just want to go home. Take me home now. What if you knew in fifth grade I got violated? Tough kid. He, uh, in a railroad car full with oranges, we went in and he went after me and blocked the entrance and told me what I would do to him and what he would do to me. And I allowed it. And for years and years and decades, uh, uh, after I came to Christ, after I got married, after I helped write the book True Face, I still never told anyone. I was terrified. If you knew that I'd lose my seat at the table, that you'd pity me, that you wouldn't respect me, that you wouldn't let me teach you, So what if I told you all those things? Would I still be godly? Careful. Careful. Don't give me a quick answer. Because I used to think so. But I have learned and am learning and believing and putting my entire weight on this. That the godly are those who believe God. Period. The godly are not those who keep from doing enough wrong things. The godly are those who trust Him with them. Would others find me to be less godly? Just the opposite. It's been my experience. Dang. A community, an environment of grace where people are telling on themselves and being known and being loved more and people are getting to say, I've waited so long to be able to love you in this. And so the chameleon who spent a lifetime pretending that he was someone else so he would be accepted and loved is gradually still learning to believe that he is loved and accepted fully. And like the velveteen rabbit, he's becoming real. Hmm. See, what if this was true? that for those of us who have dared to even clumsily put our hope in Jesus Christ, that He is never, ever on the other side of our sin. That He is so crazy about us. That He walks all the way around my sin and comes to stand right in front of me like 18 inches away from my face. And he makes that smile that no other human being can make. And he says, I love you. 
I know, kid. I know. I know. I've known from before the world began and I'm crazy about you. And then he would pull me tight into a bear hug. So tight! And at first I want to fight it. I want to say, no, no, don't. I don't deserve this. You got the wrong... But he won't let go. He keeps holding so tight. And at some point I go, wait, wait, wait. I've waited for this all my life. I've wanted to be known and held like this my entire life. And he keeps saying, kid, I know I've got this. I've so got this. I'm not ashamed of you and I'm not disgusted. I'm crazy about you. And he keeps holding me so tight until he's absolutely convinced that I believe it. And then, and only then, does he start to loosen his grip. And when he realizes that I am relaxed, he lets go of his grip only so that he can put his arm around me so that we can look at my stuff together. Not from over here, but from here. As many times as I've done this and said these words, I imagine Jesus with his arm around me looking at my sin. And every time I imagine him going, (coughs) (coughs) wow! Oh my, 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 that's a lot of sin. Don't you ever sleep? And then he would say, and we'll deal with it when you're ready, kid. I got your back. I'm crazy about you. And you are ready, by the way, in five and four and three and two. My uh, precious, precious friends. This is not religious consolation. This is not pop theology. This is not a theology that we wish were true. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was given for such as you and I.